0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Voice Tech Series, a special edition of the Nonprofit Voice Podcast, hosted by Mark Becker, founding partner of Cfexta's Partners and Editorial Advisory Board member of Nonprofit Pro. In each episode of this monthly installment, Mark will have conversations with prominent nonprofit organizations and industry thought leaders to learn more about different technology offerings in the marketplace. Join us, and together we will learn more about these innovative digital tools and how to navigate the rapidly evolving technology landscape.
1: All right. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Becker here, founding partner of Cathexis Partners, and today I am joined by France and Sean with Boodle AI. Uh, Sean, you want to kick it off and and introduce yourself and a little bit about Boodle AI?
2: Absolutely, Mark. Great great to see you, and thanks for having us on. We we appreciate it. So... Um, Sean Olds, the CEO and co founder of Boodle AI. Um, at a very high level, we provide enriched analytics and machine learning power predictive analytics to nonprofits um, to help them find their best donors and cultivate their, their uh, strong current donors. Um, and as a background, I, I started my career in the military, went into startups after the military, and have pretty much been doing startups all the way through, with the exception of a a brief stint back in government service uh, doing counterterrorism work after September 11th. And um, have also throughout that entire career been serving on some sort of nonprofit board. Uh, Literally the day I graduated college, went on to my first nonprofit board that was focused on youth education and uh, have continued for 20 plus years to always serve on some sort of youth education board as well as after the army, several veteran service organizations boards. Um, and it was because of that, that background, both the startup and the nonprofit, um, when France had his epiphany on the concept behind Boodle that he approached it. Um, and so France, uh, I'll turn it over to you to introduce yourself and, and kind of talk about the, uh, what led to the idea.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Sean. And good morning, Mark. Uh, great to join you and your listeners today. Uh, I'm France Hong. I'm one of the co-founders of Boodle, uh, I serve as the chief strategy officer, so uh, in a nutshell, I, you know, I am basically, if I had to pick one word to describe myself, unemployable. Uh, I've been a, a soldier, a, a lawyer, a soldier again, and then an entrepreneur across several different companies. But throughout all that, I've um, been driven by a desire to serve. You know, I currently serve in five different nonprofit boards. Um, throughout my various incarnations, uh, I've always been a fundraiser, whether it's for my companies, whether it was for political campaigns, or whether it was for the nonprofits um, w- whose mission I was trying to support, um, lots of experience raising money and helping other people raise money. And it was my napkin that the idea of Buddha was on the back of. And essentially, you know, in, throughout my fundraising career, I've always been amazed at the people who I thought would absolutely give and didn't, and the people who I didn't expect to give would. And being a bit of a data geek, I always wondered, is there a way to leverage the data that's out there to help organizations better connect with the people who are passionate about their cause? And and that was the the impetus behind Boodle. Uh, If I had to describe it in non-technical terms, I would say if data is the new oil, Boodle's a refinery. So we take the data that organizations all have, uh, nonprofits all have contact information, whether it's for their donors or their donor prospects or their supporters, and we turn it into something more useful. Just like if somebody hands you a barrel of oil, you're gonna look at them and say, what am I supposed to do with this? It's not helpful until you turn it into something like gasoline or kerosene and then it's not really useful until you put it in some place where it can make a difference and put it into an engine of growth and and boodle helps with that as well
1: yeah i love that that saying the data is the new oil because i mean it is you go to these conferences or you, you know, you read different, you hear different sessions and you you hear people talk and it's all about data enrichment and, you know, getting the value out of it because we're collecting all this stuff, right? It's all out there. Um, Sometimes it creeps me out a little bit, how much people can know about us, but at least, you know, we should, we should control our own destinies when it comes to that, right? Uh, Especially organizations can, can, can learn more Uh, that, that information's out there. So, you know, use it to, use it to your best uh, intentions. And, and um, so tell me more about, Sean, if you, if you could, you know, more about the data enrichment and, and how you're using it with, with nonprofits to, to help them out.
2: Absolutely, well, one of the first things France and I realized both having worked with nonprofits for over two decades was most nonprofits don't have a lot of data. Um, you know, some of the more developed organizations, your, your larger nonprofits of course do because they've built it up over years. Um, But most nonprofits, they know the name of their donors. They know how much their donor gave. um, They know um, where that person, you know, maybe their email address, their postal address, but not much more. And so what we wanted to do was take uh, skinny data and be able to turn it into big data. Um, Because the fuel at the end of the day for AI machine learning is always going to be data. Um, And being able to turn that then into something. And so the core of our technology is in the identity resolution. So being able to pick out that the Sean Olds that is in the donor database is the Sean Olds that lives in Northern Virginia and not the Sean Olds that lives in, say, Phoenix, Arizona. And then what we're able to do is merge that with access to three different databases we have of over over 240 million Americans and bring in over 1,200 different data points. And what's important and kind of differentiates us from other predictive analytics companies is our ability to bring in what we call affinity-based data points. So a lot of predictive analytics companies will bring in, what, what did Mark click on recently in an email? What websites has he visited? How long was he there? What did he tweet? All that information you talked about is kind of scary that they know. Well, you're leaving it out there as digital exhaust. And all of that is very good at kind of looking at your intent in the near term. When France and I built this, what we really wanted to do was get at the core of finding lifetime donors to an organization. And so we bring in more affinity-based data that really looks at the past 10 years of an individual. Where have they lived? Where have they worked? And a variety of other pieces of data that are all out there, but really go to build kind of that affinity of who an individual is and who a group of individuals are. So now as an organization looks at its major gift donors, what do their major gift donors really look like? How do they break out across age groups, education levels, geographically? And just really start to give some deeper insights. That's really going to help with donor acquisition, donor retention, and the variety of other challenges the development team deals with.
1: And then, what? Do, how do those organizations use that successfully? I'm I'm assuming it's more than just like an email drip campaign, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, there might be some of that, right? But I mean, you're talking your your high potential. I'm assuming you know, pick up the phone or or, or or jump in the car and go visit and do some do some uh, meet and greets
3: well not yeah not last year right
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, not lately but maybe again soon i hope
3: yeah no there's a number of ways organizations use we call this by the way enriched analytics so you take data you do this matching you figure out who they are in the real world you bring in all this you turn data into big data and now you can get analytics insights and predictions all of that we call enriched analytics and and how do nonprofits use it? You know, They take the data they have. We can provide personas. You know, Who, who are the people living in this list? Well, I could take a list of names and emails and all of a sudden tell you, this is the demographic profile. This is how they prefer to be reached out to. We can provide advanced predictions. This is what people would typically call wealth screening or wealth scoring. We can predict people's wealth rating and their giving capacity as well as their preferred outreach. Um, we can take data that organization has and build Custom predictive models, what we call guidons, and so you know, orga- we have many nonprofits. They give us a list of their repeat donors and say, "I want to find who else in my list of donors looks like my repeat donors, so I can try to convert them to become recurring donors." And so we take those contacts, we enrich them, we use them to build a model, we test that model, and then the organization uses that to find other donors that look like the donors they want to find uh, more of, and in and- Combining those things I just mentioned have a lot of different potential use cases, right? Whether it's donor acquisition, um, finding high value donors, whether it's optimizing a past campaign, uh, there's really no limit as long as the organization has the appropriate data.
1: Right, right. You have a couple of examples um, or case studies that you can kind of walk through you know, what you did for the organization and, and how, how they, they use the, your findings.
3: Yeah, so, we, so we've you know we launched the platform uh, early last year. We have well over 100 organizations that have, have signed up uh, to to use our enriched analytics. Uh, one of our uh, partners, our, our customers, is uh, Charity Navigator, and uh, they recently used us uh, to uh, reevaluate uh, one of their past campaigns and try to improve in the future. And uh, we did uh, what what I just described. So we took a, a list of their Um, their contacts and divided them into three areas, Uh, hidden gems, uh, non donors who had used their services and donors who were not yet monthly recurring donors. And they were able to examine the persona for each of those segments and understand first who's who's in those categories. Then we took the data of the donors they wanna find more of the hidden gems, um, the non donors who use their services and the donors who are not yet monthly donors and they built custom predictive models and then use that to retarget, refocus their efforts for, the, for this year's campaigns. And the results were pretty extraordinary. They had a 78% increase in response rate among previous non-donors. So instead of wow. 3.3% response rate, they had nearly a six. Um, they had a 42% increase in revenue among the previous non-donors that they targeted. Um, there was an 11% increase in revenue and average gift among the hidden gems. Uh, and they had a 44% overall increase in response rate. And and what we love, one of the contacts they reached out to in the hidden gems category ended up giving a $20,000 donation.
1: That's pretty incredible. Great, great return on their investment because it's not just, you know, paying for your services, right? It's the investment of their time and actually, you know, doing this. And I'm sure that's, you know, all uh, takes, uh, it, it, it's, Considerable when it's all put together, but with returns like that, you can totally see that it's, it's worth the effort.
3: Well, Mark, that brings up a, a great point. So, one of the things that we have certainly learned over the last year, um, you know, I mean, I've always appreciated how busy nonprofit developer professionals are. Um, they're so busy that even if they have something that's a great idea that's useful, there's always the question of mm-hmm. is it worth my investment of time and energy, let alone, you know, what the costs are? And so one of the things we've done over the last year is really try to evolve the platform from being something where you have to go and do a bunch of work and pull data to a platform that pushes useful insights to our customers. And so as a nonprofit professional, you may say, I don't, th- this all sounds great, uh, Boodle. I just don't have the time. I don't have time to learn. Something right. new. I don't have the time to go into the platform and uh, you know, I don't have the time to save myself time. Like we actually literally hear people say that. And so uh, one of the features we've rolled out this past quarter is what we call enriched reports, where we take all the insights, analytics, and predictions available in Boodle, and we actually put them in a PDF report that's emailed to our our users. And so instead of having to go pull information, information is pushed to them, useful information in a format that they can save, they can share, they can send. And these reports are built around the most common use cases of what nonprofits want to do. Understand a contact list, optimize a campaign, figure out a fundraising strategy going forward to find a particular type of donor, or do some comparative analytics, or report to a board about fundraising efforts.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, All right, Uh, Sean, anything else to to add to that?
2: I mean, what what I would so one of the things that uh, France and I came to realize is we we've been you know since day one we we've been trying to key in on the term, we wanted to democratize data science. And uh, now at the same time though, we're a business and we had to build a business and, and we followed what most SaaS businesses do. And we set out with a, a, a typical enterprise license. Um, and what we realized is even with a nonprofit discount that, that entry level pricing uh, originally was at $15,000 for any annual license. And that's not quite, quite democratized, especially in the <laughs> world of 1.5 million nonprofits in this country. Um, not all of them can afford that. And that just became a blocker, no matter how badly they, they wanted the technology. Um, and so we went back to the drawing board and, and, frankly, followed suit of what other SaaS companies have done. Uh, you know, HubSpot, right before they IPO'd, moved to what they call a usage-based model. Uh, Twilio, which is a very large uh, software-as-a-service company, uh, started out on a, on a usage-based model. Um, and, and in doing so, because what we realized is a lot of the clients we were talking to, we were trying to sell them a Lamborghini. And at the end of the day, they were standing at the corner 7-Eleven a mile from their house with a gallon of milk and they just wanted to get home. And and they were never, they're gonna buy the Lamborghini and they were never gonna get it out of first gear. Mm -hmm. And so what we decided to do was move to a usage-based model so that individual nonprofits who are very individualistic could start to look at, hey, I'm just gonna buy what I need. Whether it's the enriched reports that France talked about, whether it's a, a, a wealth screening or whether they need a little bit more and need to do a, you know, a build a bespoke guide on specific to their major gift donors, But they get to choose. They're not kind of forced into a one-size-fits-all package. Um, and so we were really excited last month to launch that. And it's been really well received. We're seeing a number of organizations that we had talked to in the past that had turned us down because of pricing who are now able to jump on and use use the platform as they need it when they need it.
1: Yeah, that was um, really the onus for when I heard about that. We had chatted, and I was like, "Yeah, let's get you on here um, and chat through it," because I think that is so important. Because you know, the, the top one hundred nonprofits or the the named, you know, those those big organizations out there, national and affiliate, you know, national organizations, those you can you can kind of get in the door, and they already probably have a plan. Um, it's it's those. Mid and smaller organizations that can use this data as well right um and probably uh, find it much more valuable and and really hit the ground running i'm sh- I'm sure see great returns so being able to allow them to to use the parts that they need um, with the the amount of time that they have right like like France was saying you know they're wearing so many hats. Right um in these organizations, even if they're really large, they're usually you know wearing a ton of hats and many of them are accidental techies and and you know data monkeys um, along with everything else they're doing right they might be an executive director and a data monkey um <laughs> along with uh, several other roles and um, so trying to squeeze in this while it's really exciting um, it needs to be uh, exactly the right fit because we see so many organizations that, you know, have these really large platforms, have the Lamborghinis and are using a fraction of it. So I always love it when people can dip a toe, get familiar with something and and get smarter with it and see where, to, where it can take them. That's great.
3: Yeah, Mark, we're, we're really excited about this usage-based pricing model. Uh, you know, we've had uh, very large nonprofits that have the resources to have their their own data science teams reach out to us. Hey, we've, we've heard about Boodle AI is her doing. We heard about you through the grapevine. Can you show us your platform? These are nonprofits that you know, they literally have half a dozen data scientists on staff spending tremendous amounts of money doing exactly what we do, building predictive models, doing enriched analytics, providing personas. I mean, really sophisticated. Uh, there's a handful of nonprofits in the world, right? In the United States that can devote that kind of time and resources. But obviously they feel it's important enough that they're willing to devote the resources to build these capabilities, to, to refine the oil into something more useful. We're excited that we can offer that to any nonprofit and just the part they need. Like you said, dip the toe in the water and, and then also grow, along, grow alongside them. You know, As they have greater needs, they just go back and hey, here's another part of a of, of boodle I wanna use. I wanna use these type of modeling or I wanna do this type of reporting now. and. You pay for what you use as you go. Um, we've had a number of nonprofits now that have signed up under this model. And in a short time, they've they've started to ramp up their usage of the platform.
1: I mean, I'm gonna surprise you here and, and just throw out a use case here, uh, um, a theoretical. So let's say there's a, a, a Small nonprofit regional, maybe it's a, a food bank, right? Um, they're they're in a local area, um, not not huge, but not small. Um, maybe they're doing you know million to five million in revenue. Um, they've never done um, anything with data enrichment, uh, mm-hmm. any of the analytics, um, and they want to dip a toe. Any advice to get them started?
2: Absolutely. So one of the great things. Um, so the pandemic's been, been viewed, of course, very very negatively as it should, it's, it's, it's been a, a, a huge pain to a lot of people and many people have suffered very grievously. Um, in the nonprofit world, the, the, the lemonade that can be made from the lemons in my mindset is that nonprofits have accelerated more around the technology adoption curve in the past year than they have the past decade. And so they're, they're realizing they have to make use of technology in new forms. Food banks are one of the, one of the places in the nonprofit space that have actually increased their donations. Um, So our food bank clients that we've seen have seen a a mass influx of new donors, but they know statistically, and Mark, you know, the statistically first-time donors, 80% of them are not coming back. And so now a food bank with the same size development team is having to go through many, many more donors and try to figure out where do we put our efforts so they're not wasted and we don't lose that 20% who's likely to stay with us. And so, um, you know, in a very, very immediate case is take a look at your current donors, And then compare them to what just came, the people that came in. So if you've had, you know, a thousand new donors come in, let's try and identify the two or 300 um, that might be most likely to become that 20% that are gonna stay with you. And let's focus the team's time and effort on that. And whether it's a a small, medium, or large food bank, they're all dealing with that same issue.
3: Yeah. So, um, Mark, so how would they get started? Uh, We offer, what we call quick start packages on the website. And literally for 4.99, you can get started with one particular use case. So for this food bank, maybe they wanna better understand who their current donors are and uh, get, a, get a sense of where they can find more donors that look like that. So they, they wanna have maybe sign up for a, a quick start package that focuses on optimizing new donor acquisition. And we can take 25,000 records provide them a multi-page report, access the platform, and they get basic predictions about that. Maybe they say, well, look, that sounds great. What I really need is the ability to wealth screen, you know, 20,000 contacts. That's another package where you get advanced predictions that provide you wealth screening and channel preference. Um, The third option is to build some custom modeling. Um, Do what Sean just described. like to build a model of a set of donors that we want to find more of, and then apply that to... A donor prospect list, and so you know those are three very easy ways to get started. um, Very common use cases, and so we've made them available at a a super low entry point that any nonprofit can afford.
1: Got it. So, you you know what? I think a lot of organizations are even struggling. They hear the you know the buzzword you know AI or data enrichment. You know what is this thing? You know. what else can you share about uh, about that from from the nonprofit perspective
2: yeah, you, yeah, I think Mark you saw one of my presentations a couple of years ago when we when we were actually meeting in person and you know, I, I always put up the picture of the Terminator because a lot of people they hear AI and, and that's the first thing that they picture um, you know one of the things that, that uh, France always stresses as, as we talk to, to clients is the, the most powerful AI is not the machine. The most powerful AI is the human machine uh, team that goes forward. So there are things that a machine can do in hours that would take a, a human development associate weeks, if not months to do. And, and there are things, though, that a machine just could never do. And a machine can't know that one of your major gift donors, uh, you know, parents just passed away. And no matter how much money they're worth or how valuable they are, now's not the time to go ask them for money. So being able to pair the, the human with the, you know, the, the, the workload that a machine can carry and then allowing the human to then carry that, that information forward and act upon it makes for a really powerful team. And, and we see that as, as organizations realize that, they start to adopt it even, even more quickly.
1: I like it. Yeah, it definitely demystifies it. That, that, that's great. All right. Um, France, any, any final thoughts?
3: No, Mark, I think, uh, I think Sean summed it up nicely. Sorry, I was just <laughs> racking my brain to think if I had any of the pearls of wisdom. But uh, no, I think we You can't beat that, right?
1: Things. That's hard to pass. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, that's terrific. Well, thanks, guys. Um, I, I, I was looking at your, uh, your LinkedIn profiles, you both went to the West Point. Is that right?
2: We we did and we we actually did not meet there though we uh that's we, gonna be my next question we were there at the same time we did not know each other there we ended up meeting um, the year after the summer after France graduated in the uh, U.S. Army Ranger School down in Fort Benning Georgia so oh, we, we went through that kind of miserable experience together and after that we're like ah starting a company will be easy together so let's just do that. <laughs>
1: Well, much respect. I, I went into the Air Force when I was 17, so I took the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Leisure Club um, you know, trip instead, but uh, all, all respect to you guys.
2: <laughs> still, it's still service. And, uh, and, that's, and that's been one of the great things that France and I really enjoy about this company is we're constantly working with people that are serving others. Um, yeah. that's just been a, a pure joy for the past six years.
1: Well, that's awesome. I always love those, those origin stories and, and hearing where everybody met. Um, and yeah, I know, Sean, I, we met originally uh, probably, what, six, seven years ago now. Um, so great to see you guys are, are growing. Uh, great to see the new offerings. And, 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 you know, I think what you have to offer can really help nonprofits. So, so all the best to you. And uh, thanks for joining me today. And thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of The Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com podcast the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of The Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.